Hi, it's Nick here from the Talk and Power podcast. We are proud to announce Auto One as our brand partner for the podcast. Auto One, it's the one. You can now order online with click and collect or get your order shipped. Head to www.autoone.com.au. Like us at the podcast, Auto One has a passion for cars and all things automotive. They understand your love of cars too. With great prices and the biggest brands you know and trust, they are sure to be able to help you with your project, whether it be replacing your wiper blades, fitting out your four-wheel drive with the latest gear, or rebuilding your dad's old HQ Holden. Not sure on how to install those spotlights? Don't panic. Just head to the website and click on the do-it-yourself videos and Rico will talk you through the process. From Auto One in Albany up to Auto One in Caratha, across to Auto One in Townsville, down to Auto One in Hobart and over 50 stores in between. Auto One has a retail store nearby with expert advice and the stock on hand. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with the team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, welcome to episode 92 of the Talk and Power podcast. And on this podcast, I am privileged to have with us all the way from Sydney, Australia, Emma Begley from the Let's Boogie, the Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Car Show. Thanks for joining us, Emma. No, thank you for having me. It's good to um, come on and share my passion um, on podcasts and things like this. So it's great. Uh, look, it's a real pleasure having you here and I'm looking forward to getting stuck right into this. Now, just before we start, I'm going to ask you a question, a question kind of without notice. Your dad actually holds the record for the most downloads in 2019. So how do you think you'll go against him in 2020? Look, dad and I are very competitive. So let's just say I hope to hopefully beat his download record. <laughs> oh, look, I'm really, oh, look, I, he, he, um, he really astounded us that year i mean he to be fair to to be fair to you actually he got a head start he we did his interview in february of 2019 so you're sort of coming in in august so but anyway we'll we'll keep we'll keep you posted on the figures anyway so really looking forward to it look before we get too far into it we just need to make another announcement uh congratulations to alex dombrowski uh he wins the auto one 50 dollar gift card so if you're listening to this podcast episode 92 like, comment, and share the episode 92 podcast with Emma Begley, and you go in the running to win a $50 gift card from our sponsors at Auto One. So, thanks to the team at Auto One. Um, they've been really supportive, and uh, yeah, like, comment, share on Facebook this episode, episode 92 with Emma Begley, and you go in the running to win that. All right, Emma, let's, let's get stuck into it. Let's, let's, well, um, I mean, inherently, your family is from drag racing. You, you know, you come from a drag racing family. I have to ask, I think a lot of people would like to grow up in that environment. But tell us, inherently, did that have 
pressures with it as well? Look, growing up in a family of uh, drag racers, obviously, as you've said before, you've had my dad on the podcast as well, and I'm sure you've heard all these crazy wild drag racing stories. (laughs) Um, I grew up listening to them every night at our dinner table and things like that. So it was something um, that I guess I was already into um, from such a young age, and it was a big passion for me. I, it definitely did bring some pressures along the way. I always wanted to be a drag racer from such a young age. And at the start, dad wasn't too sure. He um, was a little bit hesitant to let me get in a junior dragster. And it took me years and years of begging him and showing him different junior dragsters for him to actually let me get in one. And um, from there, obviously moving on to Super Street and then stepping into the funny car. Look, there's definitely a pressure to do my dad proud, I think. But dad, I can say dad's never put the pressure on me. Um, he's always said to do what's in what I'm comfortable with and what I want to do. And he will always support that. Yeah, look, I mean, I know your father quite well, and I know, and 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 I, and I you know, I, I would assume your mother wouldn't put that pressure on you as well. But I think a lot of people would get caught up in the thinking that you know it would be just basically a gift to get into one of these things, and I don't think it's that simple. And I think it inherently has uh, pressures that probably myself and other people would not be aware of. So, you know, I'm I'm always mindful of that. I always one of the questions I like asking, especially when we have children that are growing up in drag racing families do do they feel that pressure to to step into that sport i think my um i'm probably my biggest critic Mm. (laughs) i probably put the most pressure on myself to do my family proud and my dad proud especially being you know he is quite talented behind the wheel of a drag car and I've grown up watching that. So if anything, it's more the pressure I put on myself to yeah. hopefully be as good as him one day. Yeah. Yeah. No, most certainly. Most certainly. So look, I mean, you talked about the junior dragster there. You, you mentioned that uh, to, back in those days, I, I know there was a nickname going around Stomper. Tell us how that nickname came to be. Look, that's actually quite a funny story. Um, I, started junior dragsters when I was 11 and um, as I mentioned before it took me years and years to convince dad to let me get in the, get in the car um, we me and my brother grew up with motorbikes and go-karts and things like that that we um, always would ride right around our acreage um, but the junior dragster was definitely the next step for me mm. Stomper came about because on my very first licensing pass um, Dad had talked me through it, told me what I had to do, um, that I was just to do a launch and to get off of it um, and to just sort of idle down the track, not keep my foot flat to the floor. And um, young 11-year-old Emma, obviously that went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) And I just decided to step on it and go the whole way. (laughs) First ever time in a race car, uh, first ever time in a junior dragster. And I think it was more the excitement of, you know, I've always watched my dad race cars and I just wanted to get out there and do it and I didn't understand why I had to just do a launch but um those commentators obviously at the time at the Perth Motorplex decided to name name me Stomper and it sort of stuck ever since (laughs) I guess we can attribute probably would be Benny Bishop or maybe even J-Mac as well I don't I'd have to have to look back and ask one of those guys when I next see him 
You just spoke about your dad again there. So tell us a little bit. He, he, your dad has done, when we spoke with him, we came up with a list of all the categories he's raced in. And I, I didn't make a note of it, but I know definitely we raced against him in Super Street back in the day. And I do remember him in Sedan, certainly door slammer, certainly funny car and everything in between. Did, did you, I think like his experiences, did that like define for you, did that give you a direct route to exactly where you want to be? Um, look, to be honest, I, yes and no. I think his passion that he has for the sport is something that drove me. Um, but also watching him, you know, things, for example, like the Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Car series. It's awesome. The atmosphere is awesome. You know, all the guys and girls that are involved behind the scenes, the drivers, the crew, everyone. It's like a big family gathering when you all get together. And I think it was more the atmosphere and um, the people I race with that draw me to a class. You know, yeah. I raced Super Street too and I loved it. Everyone was friendly. Everyone had their, um, you know, their rivalries, but it was still a happy atmosphere and you were all there to, you know, share your passion and do what you wanted to do. And that was drag racing. So mm. I think although watching dad go through the classes and um, race the different, different cars, I definitely had my favorites. I loved the door slammer, um, loved the alcohol car, but certainly the nitro funny cars were where it's at for me. Yeah. So, I mean, going on from there, basically you've gone from the junior drag star into the your dad's HZ Ute, I remember. And then you step straight into grooving. Now, grooving, just explain that to our listeners. That was your family's nitro funny car. Is that, that correct? Yes. Tell right. us, our oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So tell us what that was like. I remember, I remember your licensing in that. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Look, um, from a really young age, I, from 15 years old, I said to Benny Bish actually, and my parents at one of the Aeroflow events, one day I'm, I'm going to get in one of these cars and I'm going to race it. And um, look, it's a little bit of a funny story. The reason I actually, we put groove, groove in together and um, it was a bit of a project for dad and I was he promised me that if I got my grades up at school and um, got into university and started my nursing degree that um, he would do whatever he can to help me get in one of those cars and, you know, it was a project that we had been doing since I was about 16, 17. So the moment I hit 18 and the car was ready to go, I was definitely ready. And I think dad was ready as well. Well, you mentioned a good point there. You talked about studying. You, you're actually studying to be a nurse as we speak. So tell us, how do you fit all that in on? I mean, pre-COVID, you were studying to be a nurse and you're also doing the full-time uh, Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Car deal, which takes you right across Australia and New Zealand. How do you fit all that in? With great difficulty. <laughs> Look, studying, um, I went straight from school to university. So it was something I was used to doing. Um, drag racing is sort of the moment I get to let my hair down and, you know, it gets me through each semester and each through, through each year, I should mm. say. Um, it's something I really, really look forward to. So it's a break away from my studies um, yeah. and away from my everyday job and things like that. So look, like anything, the things I enjoy and the things I find important and the things that hold um, 
you know, are something I really, really love, mm. I find ways to do everything. Yeah. You know, I'm one of yeah. these people that if I want to do it, I'll definitely go out and get it done, do do what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I know, I, mean, I appreciate that. But I think a lot of our people, a lot of our listeners listening would like to know like, how they manage their time. And I think what you're doing is an amazing, amazing to study nursing. That's not, that's not simple. And to do what you do um, the full time and to the outlaw nitro funny car gig is, is a big gig. What we're talking about the out, out, Aerofly outlaw nitro funny car deal. We probably need to explain to the uninitiated exactly what that is. So I've got here some, some pictures for our listeners so they can see that. So there's a number of cars here, but for the uninitiated, just explain to, to them that's Chelsea there. And then of course we got, how can we forget? Let's put me there. So just to explain to our listeners, what is the Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Car Show? Look, it's easy, but it's tricky to explain. Um, the whole point of the Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Car Series is obviously um, Graham and Wendy Cowan have a passion for these cars and they turned their passion into one of the most amazing series in drag racing. Mm. Um, it's not only an enjoyment for us as drivers and crew um, to put on a show, but we get enjoyment out of seeing supporters, you know, not only dads, but kids and mums coming down and getting involved, being part of our pit party, getting chances to sit in the cars, meet the drivers, talk to the crews. Um, as you showed before, you're, um, hero cards they get to get them signed and things like that i think that's what makes our series really special is it's really family based and it's about putting on a show yeah. for our supporters you know that's important as drag racers yes we love the thrill of getting in a fast car and winning races and things like that but without our supporters it wouldn't make it as special as it is Hmm, yeah, I want to share with you right now, just as we'll share this here. This is some photo. These are some of my photos, actually, that I took. This was from a couple of years ago, and that's my little son there. And this is some of this. So for our viewers that are actually watching us on YouTube, you can see these photos here. But that's um, that's typically that this is in the pit party, and actually that's that rod there. That was actually J Mac gave me that. Oh, right awesome. there. Um, so that's the the kind of thing that we expect to see in the pit party, where basically the the pit party it's it's set up in a in a U manner, I guess you would say, where all the cars are parked or serviced in a in a way that it, uh, is in conducive to allow spectators and people to gather around. Isn't isn't that correct? Well, that's, that's exactly right. We want it to be welcoming. We want people to know that they can come in and get close and have a look behind the scenes. It's one thing to see what us as drivers and our crew do when we're out on the track, but it's another to come behind the scenes and see the hard work that all the crew put in um, to get those cars turned around and back out on track on time. The other image I want to share with you as well is this was the first pass from a couple of years ago and it's an image of um, Chelsea versus 
uh, Tango, I'm not sure which Tango that was, it, but I know uh, Senior Sergeant Mike Pearson was behind the wheel and that was to celebrate 30 years in the police force. But if for those watching on the YouTube channel, that crowd, I think the picture is more about the crowd. For me, it's more about the crowd than it is the, the cars, but I think the cars are symbolic as well. But these are the sort of crowds that we're looking at uh, and that's, that is capacity crowd. I think the Motorplex reached a, a capacity crowd that day. So, I mean, for those watching, you get to feel, I'll, I'll actually post that on YouTube, uh, sorry, on Facebook as well, so people can see. But just explain, like, we get thousands and thousands of people to these events, don't we? Oh, it is huge. It absolutely blows me away every time we go to Perth. I actually had a friend a couple of years ago who told me that they waited two and a half hours in the queue just to get tickets, just to get inside the door. And to think that um, I'm a part of something like that, a big series like that, that has such an impact on people. And, you know, it's an enjoyment and it's an entertainment for them is really exciting. You know, we're yeah. um, in drag racing. I'm sure we all know, um, you know, we struggle to compare with the crowds, say in America and things like that. So to see that the Perth Motorplex can put on such an amazing event with Graham and Wendy Cowan, every year when I see Perth come up on the calendar, I always get excited. Yeah, look, I mean, and I think, you know, that sentiment flows through to the fans as well. I think a lot of people talk to me that aren't in a drag racing scenario or don't, have no, don't know very little about drag racing, still come to that event, not because, not because of drag racing, it's because of the show. And I think we've spoke to a number of drag racers in the podcast and I always ask them, where does the sport need to go from here? And a lot of them say to me, we need to start replicating what Wendy and Graham Cowan are doing over here with the Aeroflow deal. So you'd, you'd agree with that as well, I would assume. Definitely. I think, look, I think every class um, is different and independent in its own way. Um, but what Graham and Wendy Cowan have done with the series and the places it's gone and the people of it, it's reached is definitely something to aspire to on everyone's behalf, you know? Yeah. Their passion for it um, has really helped it grow to be what it is today. Mm. Now, unfortunately, in 2020, you weren't able to get here because of you know, when 2020 is finished, we'll, we'll remember this year for a lot of reasons, but we, we've probably forgotten a lot about the fires that started off the year and the highway, the air highway was blocked. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you were with dad in the truck, weren't you? I definitely was. Yes. Yeah, I thought so. I thought, and I know, I know I spoke with your dad only a few weeks prior to that. And he said he was doing the trip over. He was, he was flying over. Uh, picking you up, getting the truck and driving, <laughs> driving it back. As it turned out, you guys got stuck at a, a roadhouse. But tell us a bit about that because I think even though you didn't get to Perth, I think the fans you made from what you did at the roadhouse was probably tenfold. And I think a lot of people, we shared that on, we shared that video of um, Chelsea's car, the sheriff. I don't think she was driving. I'm not sure who it was, but doing a couple of wheel stands in the car park at the roadhouse. Tell us a bit about that. Look, again, it, um, it all comes down what's, um, to what's important to us. Although we couldn't make it to Perth and we were all devastated, um, we were looking forward to getting there and meeting the fans and make, having another amazing event, as we always do in Perth. Um, it was really good to 
enlighten people on our passion and what we do maybe that wouldn't get to experience it all the time or um they're say from overseas i think we met some um danes that we yeah. ended up spending a couple of days with and um some families that lived out on country out that way on land out that way um so normally you know they don't find themselves going into perth and things like that for events like ours um but i think it um showed them oh, how do i explain it i think it gave them an insight into what we do and yeah. I know all of them said that they would buy tickets and a couple of them were hoping if we had got through to follow us down to Perth and um, to get to, you know, come and watch this series. And unfortunately that didn't happen, mm. but it was just really nice to bring something to the people. It was devastating, obviously, that what was happening with the fires, people weren't yeah. able to get home. Um, there was a young boy there who actually needed to get to the hospital and get some medications and things like that. So it was a hard time for a lot of people. And the fact that we could bring smiles to their faces and share our passion um, in the middle of what felt like nowhere was a really, really amazing um, experience. Yeah. So for those that, are, that don't know, go to our Facebook page. We shared it back in uh, January of this year, but I might reshare it actually. Um, yeah. So there was some video of the, the sheriff coming out of the, the truck and doing a couple of wheel stands in the, in the car park of a roadhouse, but the crowd that you drew there was, it was phenomenal. But I think just more onto that point was the, the social media reach that that video got. Well, I don't think you can measure that. In, in, I don't think there's any metrics to that. And I think when you do get back to Perth, a lot of people will remember that. Not not just the people that were there, but the people that saw what you did just to lift the spirits of, of those that were stuck out there. So I take my hat off to whoever was involved in that. Who was driving, actually? I didn't find out. I'm going to dob him in. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I did. <laughs> there was a couple of us there. Um, you, obviously, my dad, myself, um, Shane Olive, my partner, Shane, actually, and um, Brandon as well, who also drives King Kong. So there was a couple of us there all standing around and watching. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Shane was definitely the one behind the wheel. <laughs> Oh well, not not. I'm sure the I'm sure the the local law enforcement will be. That, we've passed the statutory limits on that one. <laughs> The Auto One Customer Loyalty Program, the Auto One Club, has been designed to provide privileges to loyal customers. Head on over to www.autoone.com.au and click on the club membership tab or alternatively head into your local Auto One store and ask about the benefits that come with being a loyal Auto One club member. While you're in the store, be sure to check out Auto One's extensive range of impact automotive garage tools floor mats and coolant. The Impact Automotive range offers quality products at affordable prices. From a three-ton heavy-duty trolley jack to an adjustable mechanic seat, the Impact Automotive range has a garage tool that'll suit your needs. The range has also well over 20 different types of floor and boot mats to suit your ride. They come in rubber or fabric with a PVC backing to stop slipping. Also in the range is an extensive choice of coolant. Whether it be pre-mixed or concentrate, 
the long life range of red and green impact automotive coolant is bound to have a product that suits your needs. To view the full range of impact automotive products head on over to www.auto1.com.au or visit one of their stores. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with their team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. One of the questions I always ask, or I've asked in the past, Kelly Betts, I've asked Phil Lamartina, I like to ask our, I call Nitro guests, I've asked your dad as well, I think, but take us through step from step from the moment, so the body's up, they start the car up, talk us through from that point onwards exactly what you go through. Look, there's definitely a lot going through my head, um, as well as a, a lot of things that I've got to remember. Um, I have a fantastic crew. I have Brady Pilkington, who's also a Perth boy. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> um, he's crewed with me since the start, since um, Groovin. So obviously prior to that car starting, he is my main focus, everything he tells me to do. Um, I'm watching him like a hawk <laughs> most of the time. So look, obviously the body's up, the car gets fired. The body comes down and I'm just waiting for Brody's signal to call me through through the water. Um, emotionally, there's a lot of things going on. I, I, I will admit I get quite nervous coming into events and especially into that first round. Um, but I think it's one of those things that once that car's started and you feel the rumbles and, you know, you know what you've got to do. You know, you've got to get from A to B as quick mm. as possibly and hopefully yep. beat the guy next to you in the um, lane. So I think a bit of that... Um, your job kicks in like it's that's what you've got to do yeah obviously coming through the water Brody will give me the signal and um i'll plant my foot to the floor and hold on <laughs> yeah um coming back all the way obviously reversing and things like that but coming into stage uh pre-stage and then stage again it's one of those things that you're really eager to get to the end of the track and beat the guy next to you mm. and get the fastest time possible um so look i have a i have a little bit of a routine that i do i call it one two three yep. <laughs> one is obviously pull my visor down two is pull the fuel all the way on and three is lift my foot off the clutch and i think having that routine also calms me a little bit as well because i know yep. that that's one two and three and if you see inside my car, next time you see me at Perth Motorplex, you'll actually see there's a big one, two, and three <laughs> right in front of my face, so I can't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, then waiting for those, as soon as I see that amber, my foot is straight to the floor, and um, I hold on for dear life now. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that goes so quickly, and it's really, really, I find it really challenging to explain. I think it's a feeling that... You don't know until you do it, I suppose. Mm. Especially when I first started out, I remember dad used to sit there and try to explain it to me and I'd ask him what I'm going to feel and what I'm going to do. And you don't know what the car or the track or anything's going to throw at you. I don't know if um, anyone had seen the footage from Spring Mount, my first race against Messinio. 
I, you know, we had done a burnout. I was ready for the race. I was hoping to win the race. And all of a sudden the car was going left, right. And I saw Messinio come up next to me and, you know, it was a point where we nearly collided. So as a driver, you don't really know what to expect or what's going to happen. It's just mm. about doing what you feel comfortable with yeah. Yeah. and um, being behind the wheel. You know what the car's going to do. You know what the car's telling you. Um, so from there, you know, you make adjustments and you make movements and yeah, that's your job as a driver. Phil Lamartino once said on this podcast, he said, as a driver, you have the best seat in the house and the worst seat in the house. And when I asked him to explain that, he said, as you're sitting inside the car, arguably it's the best seat in the house. But in the crowd, he would also argue that watching a nitro car go down the track, and I've done it many times, and I, I know exactly what he's saying, but I've never sat in the seat of one. But even down track, or it doesn't really matter where you are, it's a whole new sensation to the body, isn't it? Like the shock wave that goes through... The, that goes through your body and the sight and the sound of the, the car as it makes its way down the track. It's a whole new, whole new feeling. But as a driver, you don't really, it's all happening right there in front of you, but you don't feel that shockwave or the sensation, or you actually can feel if you're close enough to the front, you can actually feel the heat wave come off the car as well as it's going past. Yeah, look, it's definitely a feeling like no other. Um, and as I mentioned before, it's such a hard thing to explain. I still to this day, I'll get out the car at the end and I'll unstrap myself and <laughs> jump out the top and I'll be gasping for air. And I reckon I must hold my breath from start to finish because yeah. on the end of the track, you know, you're trying to get all that oxygen and all the air in you can. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, and it's one of those things that happens so quickly and you just have to think on your feet and, you know, adjust to the track and adjust to the car. And, yeah. you know, as I said, as the driver being behind the wheel, you've got to know what's going on and what the car's doing. Mm, yeah. How often do you glance left or right just to see where your opponent is or where dad is? How often do you like just have a look there? Is it, it must be hard not to look. Look, it's one of those things that I think you probably you probably do have a sneaky look as a cycle, but you don't register it. Yeah. You're just like, let's just your focus is on that finish line of beating dad yeah. <laughs> in the lane next to me. Now, I've often wondered that as well. Like, how often would you look left and right, and um, you know, just wonder where where your opponent's at? Because even though we call this a show, and everyone calls it a show. The racing's still very competitive, isn't it, amongst amongst all of you, isn't it? It definitely is. Look, we're all mates, and as I said before, we're like a big family. But um, as soon as those helmets go on and those cars fire up, um, it's the rivalry that kicks in. Yeah. You always want to beat the best. You always want to beat the top. Obviously, everyone knows um, Rick Gorsey, Shane Olive, Morris, all those drivers, Walshy, Massinio, they're all competitive. There's not mm. one car in there that is better than the other. So you just don't know who could win. It comes down to really the driver, the car, the track, and all the other elements as to who's going to win the race. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I appreciate that. That Because I, I, I can see a lot of people, as I said, maybe may call it a show, but I see that there's a competitive spirit amongst all of you. And even when the car's going down the track, someone might get out of the groove a little bit and bang it, get, get, try and get back to the groove as soon as possible and get back on the noise, which 
you arguably probably shouldn't do it in a nitro funny car, but I see it many times. The, the lights go out, but that, the candles come back on again and, and away. So there is a competitive spirit there. I'm, I'm convinced of it. So I'm yeah, glad you admitted that. I'll back you on that one. <laughs> Well, you mentioned before, Graham. We've, we've spoken, Graham and Wendy Cowan, and they're, they're, this is partly their. Well, it is their show. How much influence do they have in, like, your style of driving or the tune-up, or do they leave that entirely up to you? Um, personally, for me, I being GC and Wendy's only female driver. I try to get as much information and as much help out of them as possible. Mm. I am really engaged. GC and Wendy have been around it for a very long time um, and they definitely know what they're talking about. Yeah. We've recently actually just moved back to under the yellow trucks trailer. Um, So we're right there next to um, Shane Olive and Rick Gorsey. And it's one of those things on race day, you try to absorb as much knowledge as you can. Every event I go to and every event I I attend, I learn something new, whether that's from me, a personal experience inside the car or from something Shane Olive or Graham have told me or Rick Gorsey have told me. Um, They, for me, have a huge impact on the way I drive. Mm. In regards to the car, um, the last couple of events, GC has been helping um, Brody and I out and the rest of the crew out and giving us some ideas, but still ensuring that we're thinking about it and we're using our heads. So he may give us two options and say, mm. okay, now you choose what's what you think is going to um, help the car to get it from A to B as quick as possible. So look, as anything, um, they are a huge part of the series and um, they always have a massive impact on the way I drive and all the cars, really. Um, mm. But at the end of the day, it's about us making them proud and us, how do I explain it, um, sharing their passion with yeah. our fans, our supporters and things like that. Yeah. I should probably take a step back and for our listeners that aren't aware of, of, of Graham Count and Wendy Count, I mean, to put it in a sentence, they are drag racing royalty in Australia, really. That's, that's the easiest way to put it. They are simply royalty when it comes to the quarter mile. And, and I put them up in such, you know, up there in the top tier of drag racing and they've done it all like Graham's competed in the U S and has runs a successful business here as a vendor of a number of automotive parts and supplies and also is the, the man behind this show. So for our listeners, not new to our podcast or new to this episode, that that's who Graham Cowan and Wendy Cowan are. They have, um, I could be wrong here, but two sons from memory. I can't remember their names now, but they've both competed in top fuel as well. And they've competed in all around the world. And um, we're very proud that they are Australian and they put this show on in, in Australia. I'm going to ask you a, a sneaky question here. We talked about dad before. So what's it like beating him? Tell us what that was like. Oh, honestly, that was, I can't even explain it. That was the best feeling in the world. <laughs> um, As I said, obviously growing up watching my dad racing, wanting to be in his shoes, you know, be behind the cars that he was behind, to then get the opportunity to race against him was really special. And I remember our first ever race. It was kind of a bit of a reality check, you know. You grow up all these years 
hoping to be there and hoping to achieve that and line up against um, against him. So to actually be there, it was an achievement in itself, you know. Mm. Um, but then to finally beat him, I think it was our fourth race against each other. Yep. He had three wins over me. And prior to New Zealand, we had actually gone on a bit of a family holiday and we were competitive the whole time. In the end, my mum was like, you two, stop. <laughs> you know, we wanted to beat each other at everything. And I think it was a bit of getting in each other's heads and <laughs> trying to um, wind each other up. So, look, coming into that event, obviously we knew we had each other. And I really, really wanted to win that race. And I gave that race my 110%. Um, I know if you've watched it, I um, he tells me that I... I messed him around on the lights a little bit because I went straight into stage and that's his excuse. <laughs> but okay. look, I, one thing dad has always ever told me, even since racing juniors, is pick a point at the bottom of the track, at the end of the track, and do not take your eyes off it. Mm, and yep. Imagine you are just running at it as hard as you can. And I think that's that got in my head. Um, especially in that New Zealand race, I picked a point and my eyes did not move from that point in the track and I knew I wanted to get there first. So um, obviously when I got out the end of the track and my mum and my family, um, my brother's girlfriend, everyone was over there, was screaming and honking the horn. Um, and I hadn't seen dad. Obviously once I'd pulled the shoots, I, I had a good feeling that I had won the race. And yeah, it was definitely an experience I cannot explain it was amazing <laughs> now did you beat him on a 50 was it a 550 you ran that you beat him on 560 oh 60 yeah. that's yeah, yeah 60 so yeah that's 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 uh that's pretty when you can beat dad on a, a 60 that's that's pretty good that's that is pretty awesome you just spoke about your family there just to you younger you got a younger brother connor as well that's looking at i when I spoke with your dad a couple of weeks ago, he's talking about getting into a radio deal and your mum, Jane, as well. Obviously, great support to what you do as well. Not not just your dad, but even your brother and your mum as well. They have all been a massive support. My um, yeah, my little brother's licensed in his radial car um, and he absolutely loves it. Honestly, he actually, I say, I always tell dad, if he ever gets into a nitro car, I reckon dad and I need to watch out. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. out of all of us, he's the competitive one. But no, my mum's always been a huge support. Um, my partner, Shane, he um, actually works for Graham and Wendy yep. Carroll on the race cars. They're all a huge support and they help me so much on race day and in everyday that day life. They push me to do, you know, to do all the things I want to do and they mm -hmm. support me in every step and in every way. Yeah, no, Mose, I can, a great, great family. Look, we had Kelly Betts on here probably almost two years ago now. Um, and she, I, in my mind, she's cemented the legacy for, for the work that Rochelle Splat has done in the 80s and 90s. And, and Kelly's come along and really cemented that. What, my, my question to you, basically, what, what message do you have to female females that are watching the sport or younger females what, what's your message to them and and like basically how do we get them into the sport well my message is always follow your heart i think that it's one of those things no matter what you've got going on in life or if someone tells you you can't do it if you want to do it you will achieve it 
hard work, dedication, passion, all those things are what drives me to do what I do. And that's all I can say to others is if you want to do it, go out there and get it and go do it. Yeah. Cause look, I mean, on the screen now I'll show you like some, some of the autographs you do and, and some of the work you do. And like, I mean, this is, this is a perfect example. This is only just an example of some of the stuff that you do. And on the screen, people see the autographs and the, and the crowds of people. But I mean, that's, that's, I guess that's my question to you is like, yeah, I, I think you're very, um, I think you've got a, a great influence on young, not just, I, should, I shouldn't say just females. I think even young boys as well. My 11-year-old son's a big fan of you and he's too shy to come in here and come on the camera actually. Oh, but, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's a big fan of, of yourself and your dad. And I, I, think, I think the message, yeah, I, just, I think that's a great message for young people and I, I really like seeing young people at the track and especially at these events where we have lots of young kids there. I think it's, I think it's re really great. That's a huge part of it as well is, you know, I am always open. If people want to come and hang out and see what we do, I am more than happy to have young kids or anyone for that matter, come out and hang out for the day and experience what it's like to do fuel and oil and things like that. You know, um, people like Rod Bailey and things like that, if it wasn't for them, dad wouldn't have got where he is today. Mm. And if it wasn't for my dad and people like Graham and Wendy Cowan, I wouldn't be where I am today. So yeah. I'm a huge, huge believer. If I can ever help anyone to get into the sport or um, if they just want to find a way to be involved, please, I'd be more than happy to help out because I know that if it wasn't for people giving a chance on me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. And I think that's a, a great message there. Emma, before we finish, I've got one more question for you. Where to from here? I know this is probably a tough year to give an answer to 2020. Let's just forget 2020, but let's look into, I guess we could say, into the next five years. Where, where, do, you, where do you see yourself going? Look, to be honest, I. <laughs> it's really funny because from such a young age, racing for Graham Wendy Cowan in this series has been such a big passion and a big dream of mine. Um, and to reach that at a young age and racing for them at the age of 19, I was able to reach those goals really early. So look, I would find my next hopefully <laughs> goal would be to definitely uh, win a rocket trophy or at least place on the podium. Yep. Um, but look from there, like any drag racer, you know, you, you want to follow your passion. You want to follow your dreams. I would always love to go and race in America or help out on a car in America. Um, there's plenty of people that I look up to, such as TJ. Um, and you look at the amazing things that they're doing over there. Um, but for now, I think... I want to focus on definitely winning my rocket trophy and yep. seeing where I can go with the Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Car Series. Yeah, yeah. TJ, you refer to as Tommy Johnson. Tom yes. Yeah, yes. Tommy Johnson. <laughs> you have a good relationship with Tommy Johnson, Junior. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, look, um, when TJ started coming over here and racing a couple of years ago, um, he even raced in um, the series as well. Mm, um, that's right. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, yep. We've always, we've had a good relationship with them since, you know, when dad went over and raced in America, it was awesome to be able to watch him race as well. And whenever he comes over and 
here. We always hang out. He's, he's a huge influencer. You know, yeah. what he does is amazing. He's awesome behind the wheel of a car. And, um, it's really exciting to see, like, he'll always give me feedback and tell me he actually come over for a Perth event a couple of years ago. And, um, he gave me his honest opinion on how he thought I went. And I really, I appreciate things like mm. that and constructive feedback. So hearing that from him um, and taking that on board was awesome. Yeah. It was his honeymoon, wasn't it? Wasn't it his yes, honeymoon? it was. Yeah, that's right. Yes, I thought they, so. They definitely enjoyed spending that down in Dunsborough in Perth. They loved it, <laughs> going to all the wineries. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> hey, Emma, look. We really appreciate your time on coming on the podcast tonight. I know it's late over there, so we'll we'll wind this up. Now, where can we find it? Firstly, where can we find information about yourself? Is that at uh, www.facebook.com, Grooven, uh, A-O-N-F-C, is that correct? Yep, or you can just search Emma Begley Drag Racing. Yeah, that, yeah. that works as well, yep. And then also, if we want to find information on the Aeroflow in, on Facebook, it's Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Cars, or you can head to their website. Great website, I must say. Very mm. good website. Uh, www.outlawnitrofunnycars.com.au. Head there as well. And I'd also like to thank, and also plug to www.aeroflowperformance.com and also uh, Morris as well for allowing us, he's given us uh, a number of images to use in this podcast as well. So I really, really appreciate that. And the team at Aeroflow Outlaw Nitro Funny Cars, go to their website. Once this virus is completed with, uh, I'm sure the guys will be back racing and uh, hopefully, hopefully we see you here in January in Perth. Fingers crossed that all, that event still goes ahead. If not, um, you know, I'm sure it will be up and running no time soon in any event. We look forward to it. Okay, Emma, look, really appreciate that. And thanks for your time and coming on. Um, we, it's, I know it's hard to make time for these sorts of things, so we really appreciate it. And uh, no, thanks once again. No, I've enjoyed being um, coming on and sharing all my passion for this series. And we'll keep you posted on how the downloads go. There's another yes, race on. Please do. Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Have a <good> <laughs> Okay, mate, you take care and all the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.